Life Audio. Lent is a 40-day spiritual pilgrimage that helps us walk with Jesus more closely and also to become like him on the way to Easter. It's like an Easter preparation time. I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. And after a quick word from our sponsors, my guest, Aaron Damiani, and I will be back to talk about Lent. Where did this season come from in the Christian calendar and why we might want to practice it? But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Aaron Damiani serves as the lead pastor of Emanuel Anglican Church in Chicago and is the author of The Good of Giving Up, Discovering the Freedom of Lent, and Earth Filled with Heaven, Finding Life in Liturgy, Sacraments, and Other Ancient Practices of the Church. Aaron writes and speaks regularly about spiritual formation, leadership, and recovering the gifts of the ancient church for today's challenges. Aaron and his wife, Laura, live with their four kids in Chicago. Aaron, thank you so much for making some space to be with us today. Jody, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I'm glad you're here as well. Well, today, when this airs, it is Ash Wednesday, which is the very beginning of Lent. And so I want to start there. And would you just back up and tell us more about what Lent is and where this season in the Christian calendar came from? Yes, Lent is a 40-day spiritual pilgrimage that helps us walk with Jesus more closely and also to become like him on the way to Easter. It's like an Easter preparation time. And this season really actually began um, in the earliest stages of the church when people uh, were able to you know, worship and walk with Jesus after his resurrection and after his ascension. They wanted to stay close with him. And so they took his words very seriously. They wanted to fast, to pray, to watch with him and to become like him. It started with really kind of a prayer service overnight, but waiting for the anniversary of the resurrection of Jesus on that first, that first anniversary of his, uh, 
resurrection. And it kind of grew from there. And when people started to convert to Christianity for the first time and come out of paganism, come out of, you know, completely different lifestyles than the one that he gave to his disciples, they, uh, the leaders of the church said, hey, we need a program. We need a way for people to become like Christ. And so they, 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 um, they essentially what we see all over the early church, wherever it spread, is we saw three things being brought together, three practices. We saw prayer, you know, prayer that was both personal and liturgical, fasting, you know, which is the, you know, abstaining from food for a season, for, for a day, for a few hours, et cetera. And, uh, and then what they called almsgiving, we could call it, you know, generosity, financial and personal generosity. And when they tied those three things together in a communal way, in a Christ-centered way, they found that some of the Christ-like qualities that we all want to see, which is the, you know, the gentleness and the joy, this began to form in the communities that practice these things. And so it was kept as a season mm. for uh, until now. Yeah. Okay. I love that. We meditated on, per your suggestion, Matthew 4, mm. verses 1 through 11, which is Jesus being led into the wilderness, fasting for 40 days, and then being tempted by Satan. And the 40 days seems to spring out of this Matthew passage. I'd love for you just to talk through maybe even how did we get to that 40 days? Because you, mm-hmm. when you started at the beginning, you said it was really just a a one night observance. Mm-hmm. And so it obviously grew over time. Yeah, it did grow over time. It, it kind of had a, 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 um, sort of developmental process over a period of years and, and generations and kind of a trial and error, you know, where you figure out what's working, what's, what's long enough, but not too long. Mm. I, Dallas Willard has this great phrase about how you can't get clean from one drop at a time. You need like a full immersion <laughs> in grace, yeah. you know? And so Lent in some ways, the, what the 40 days does is it gives enough time to really bask in the grace of of the Lord. And, you know, we see Jesus in his 40 days of prayer and fasting in the wilderness is that he he's really making space to bask in his father's love and making time, just giving God time to speak, giving God time to work. Spiritual formation takes a lot longer than I want it to take. Yeah, me too. And so it's, okay, it's helpful to have, you know, a period of time. It is important to say, too, that well, a couple things, the 40 day season has some precedent in the old Testament. You know, we see mm-hmm. the 40, you know, the 40 years in the wilderness, uh, but then the 40 day periods of, of fasting and prayer that, that Moses did that Elijah did. And so it's got, it's got some uh, biblical old Testament precedent. But the other thing to say is that Sundays are not counted. So it's 40 days plus Sundays and Sundays are kind of a mini resurrection a, mini, a miniature Easter each Sunday, even in Lent. And so you, you get a total of about 46 days, but the days that you're actually practicing, the disciplines are 40 days. Yeah, that's super helpful. I want to talk about that in a minute. I want you though, first to tell us a little bit about your personal journey with Lent and how you got started practicing it. You are an Anglican priest now, but you started out not Anglican and so I would love to hear your journey with Lent and how you stumbled into this, or maybe didn't stumble into yeah. it. Maybe it was very intentional, but tell us about it. I did stumble into it. 
I, I think back to when I was engaged to my wife, Laura, and we were having one of those engagement fights over Panera Bread. I don't know if anyone has ever had one of those uh, fights with with a significant other over over lunch. And it was um, a conversation around what should church be. We were both looking for a church together. We had come from, I was coming from a Presbyterian church that was more reformed. Uh, and I had a Bible church background. I had an evangelical Bible church background, went to Moody Bible Institute, Wheaton College, etc. My wife had a, my wife, Laura, at that point was going to a Baptist church and it was more of a um, maybe mega church model. It wasn't itself a mega church, but lively worship and testimonies and just uh, a lot less liturgy and a sense of God's nearness and his love. And so we were, we were fighting about this. Fighting's a strong word, but we we were having a conflict about it. <laughs> and we were then looking for churches to go to, like which church are we going to go to? And we got invited to an Anglican church and decided to to try it out because the other churches we had tried out together just didn't connect. And so we visited this church the week before Lent started and were totally sort of overwhelmed by the sense of the Holy Spirit in that worship service that was working through the liturgy, working through the worship and the preaching. So we went the next Sunday and the next Sunday was totally different because it was the first Sunday of Lent. And um, what was happening was we just realized in this this culture of this church is that people started to willingly abstain from, from different luxuries and from food. And they were being really generous with their money towards Nigerian Christians that were being persecuted. And they were entering into this, to this journey, talking about what they were giving up with one another. And I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) I mean, like, like, we don't have to do this. This is, this is like work works righteousness and I was actually, Laura and I were getting ready to go on our cruise. You know, we were getting ready for our wedding. We were getting ready for the big honeymoon, you know, 10 day cruise. And so it was kind of like parallel journeys in our new church. People were getting ready for Easter. We were getting ready for our honeymoon. And what happened was, you know, we went ahead and we got married. It was wonderful and went on the cruise and, you know, it was fine. It was like the chocolate bar after a while it gets old, <laughs> you know, they like, Put put on the deck of the cruise ship sounds kind of exotic, but it's like cheap and you know not great. <laughs> and so at, by the end of the cruise, we were like, I don't know if we'll ever go on a cruise again, but if we do, ten days is too long to be on a boat. <laughs> um, but what we noticed in our church is that by the time Easter came, they were ready, they were joyful. It was the most joyful Easter mm. I'd ever seen before, mm. and they and it was like they were finally able to celebrate that Jesus had turned history inside out with his victory on the cross and his victory in resurrection. And so the next year I was like, maybe I should try Lent. I, maybe I should, maybe I should give this a try. Maybe it's not works righteousness because they don't seem weighed down Mm. with laws and codes and burdens. They seem like they're full of the spirit to me. So we dipped our toe in the water and just found year by year that God's grace was there for us as was the, you know, the transforming preparation for Easter Sunday. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and then Aaron and I will be back to talk about some of the practical ways that you can practice Lent this year. One of the quotes in your book that I laughed out loud and then I had to read to my husband was this, Easter Sunday is a victory feast. But in many churches, it feels like a company picnic where everyone is expected to show up and be happy. 
<laughs> I thought that is such a great way to put it because we're we're surprised by Easter yeah. every, year. every year. We know it's coming, and then we we're like, oh, what we got to put on the nicer dresses, right. and we've got to everyone's got to look great, and it is. It's yeah. a little bit like that that company picnic where it doesn't matter how disgruntled you are, you better show up totally. and you better act like you totally. are loving this day. Yes, and so Paste I that smile that. on your face. Be happy. Play horseshoes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> And so for me, I thought that's such a great description because Lent helps us not be surprised by Easter. It helps us not stumble upon this amazing, miraculous event that somehow has become commonplace to us as believers Mm. through the years and helps us just prepare our hearts. Totally. So you talked about fasting, prayer, and Mm -hmm. almsgiving or generosity as the three kind of core practices Mm -hmm. of Lent. I would love to know what are some ways that you've practiced Lent, you know, in previous years, maybe even what did you start with that very first year that you decided to practice Lent? How has it evolved for you as you've kind of gone through the years? Well, my first year, I think I did a very weak sauce fast, which was like fasting from chocolate or something. It was really doable. <laughs> um, I wouldn't even call it weak sauce because it, you know, it's, it's your, you know, you're, you're trying something. And so, so for me, it was, yes. I, I remember that there was some sacrifice there. And um, what I've, what I began to add after that was the practice where you go without meals, where you start, like you eat dinner uh, the night before and then kind of don't don't really do dessert or snacks at night and you you just go through dinner the next day so you're skipping breakfast lunch sometimes i've done just skipping lunch and sometimes what i'll do is i'll continue to drink coffee uh some people give up coffee i i don't know if that would be very kind to the people in my life <laughs> i go ahead and drink the coffee even when i'm not eating the food and then yeah you just go through dinner and then you do eat you break the fast with dinner with um with your family with your roommates maybe with a small group uh or maybe with maybe by yourself and then in those uh in those times where you would normally be eating and you're feeling the hunger you you fill it with just even just being in God's presence honestly mm-hmm. or with a psalm something simple if it's too intense and too heavy deep and real you know it's not sustainable and then with what happens with generosity is that what you can do is let's say you're giving up luxuries like uh like dessert, alcohol, maybe you're giving up some some meals once a week. Usually do kind of uh, one day a, a week in Lent of fasting. And you can use some of that money as well as just money you'd normally be spending on yourself to to be generous towards someone who who's in need. There's different ways of doing this. I have a, some friends that I greatly admire. They're very generous. They live very frugally and they keep a envelope called a neighbor fund. And they just like stock money in there every week during Lent. And then they'll look for, they'll have conversations with neighbors, which is part of the generosity. Um, and they'll they'll find ways of meeting neighbors' needs, grocery cards and and gas money and uh, or just extra, hosp- you know, having people over, which costs money. With our church, we do try to pool our funds. And like last year, we gave to some relief work in, in Ukraine. Hmm. And this year, we'll, you know, who, we always invite suggestions from the congregation. Maybe we'll end up giving money to, you know, to the earthquake relief mm-hmm. fund in Turkey. Just give it to people who are suffering. 
give it to the persecuted church. And, and so those are, those are some ways that, that we've practiced it before. Mm, I love that. You say in your book that Lent bonds us to Jesus Christ, his word, his church, and his work. I'd love to know how have you noticed that doing these things, giving up a meal once a week or a couple meals once a week, you know, praying with more intention, freeing up some space financially because you're not spending the money on something, then to give that away. How have you noticed that that has actually bonded you to Jesus in a real way? One way it has bonded me with the Lord, I think, is just a cultivated hunger. And I, I do remember when I think back to when I first started practicing Lent, one, I think, key growth area for me during that time, but it's still something that never goes away quite, is like I needed to cultivate more tangible hunger for Christ, his church, and his kingdom. So something there's something about the practice of being physically hungry and to to not to not quench that hunger mm. um and also to be in e- even a state of physical weakness because of that where i i can't necessarily satisfy my emotional hunger of feeling excited and good and productive it, it slows me down in that way as well and then even just sort of like you know the financial hunger of i'm spending less on myself i have less to spend and so what that does is it just makes, I find that spiritually speaking, that makes space for me. You know, it's something that I can do with my body, the fasting, the prayer, the generosity, but it ends up shaping my soul. So then when I, when I get to church, I'm a little bit more primed to pray, but the spiritual, I feel a little bit more spiritually alive um, because, because I've been intentionally putting to death the, um, the habits and the expectations that can sometimes take the place of a spiritual union with Jesus. There's a weakness there that, that I want him to fill. And then, you know, practically speaking as well, when you're, we, maybe we've had this experience being on a sports team or, or being in a, uh, in some kind of development group where you're like, I'm experiencing pain with these people, but it has a purpose. And we're all going through this hard thing together. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to go through the lows together. We're going to go through the highs together. We're kind of getting on the same rhythm. We're getting on the same wavelength. We're making similar sacrifices. And then when you get to come together for for worship, when you get together for feasting, there's an extra sweetness to it. And that's also, I think, a tangible way that the bonding to the church, which is Christ's bride, becomes a little bit more powerful and strong. So good. What are some ideas that you have? So say this is the first time that I'm going to practice Lent. What are some ideas for different things to Mm -hmm. fast from? If you're not ready to do full days of fasting, you know, you said you did this little chocolate fast, which I'm only going to give up Hershey's chocolate. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, but I, but curiously, like, so what, I mean, cause that is, if somebody, listen, if somebody needs chocolate every day, that could actually be right. a significant thing for them mm. to venture into. Mm. What are some ideas that you have? Mm-hmm. So I, I'll answer your question, but I will, I will preface it by saying this. Uh, one really good way to, to find, to find out what to fast from is just to get alone with Jesus and ask him. Mm, it's good. 
and just say, is there something that has an inordinate hold on my life? And I've heard different people give very surprising kind of testimony Mm -hmm. to what they hear. One woman told me that the Lord asked her to not wear makeup during Lent. And it was one of the most, and I couldn't even, I I wouldn't prescribe that as like, this is the historic, it's not the historic Lenten path, but kind of the Lord can ask of us whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. So I am always curious to know, but some, some very practical things that you could, um, you could fast from as in, you're not, you're not taking part in these things, which is different from the fasting from a meal. There are two different types of fasting. Both are important. One is like being hungry and not eating. And the other one is these extra things. So the extra things would be alcohol, dessert, sugar, meat, things that we associate with overflow, uh, even even something like butter, anything that's associated with sort of uh, ma- making the meal more delicious or more satisfying. It may be that we cut back on those things. And um, in our age as well of of technology, we might even add to that looking at our relationship with with our phones it may be that social media could be a, a good practice giving that up for for the season um don't announce it if you do no one's going to notice that you're gone that's the hard news <laughs> um, so true <laughs> no one's going to notice sadly sadly yeah, true yeah. <laughs> they would probably notice if you were gone jody uh, but you have a social media ministry i don't think so <laughs> that that could be one thing i, I actually put a, a, a questionnaire together for some people last year just about are we using our screens immediately before and immediately after bedtime that kind of stuff where like let's make let's put some space mm. can we can we keep our phone in a box and use an old-fashioned alarm clock? And entertainment, boy. Um, I, re- I do, actually do remember a few years ago when I kind of had that moment with the Lord, what do you want me to give up? And he asked me to give up a certain show that I loved on a streaming service, and I was so excited to watch it. And I, and I remember he asked me to give it up, and I was like, no, I love that show. <laughs> and so, so I didn't watch it during Lent. I watched it after Lent and I totally regretted it. I oh, still regret it. Yeah. yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating. Well, I, I'll tell you the most unique thing that I've heard somebody feel led to give up was multitasking. And I said, how are you going to do that? Yes. And this person was telling me, I will not do more than one thing at once. So if I'm having a conversation with you, I'm having mm. a conversation with you. If I'm reading, I'm reading. And I thought, wow. I love that. And then I, it was really convicting yes. for me because I had to consider how much yes. I do many things at once. And of course, all yeah. scientific research tells us you're not effective uh, doing your multitasking. You're actually very ineffective, yeah. but that's a different aside. Okay, though. I do want to ask you about this though. So somebody sits down with Jesus and they're convicted to stop doing something that's sinful. Yes. Yes. So what, you give that up for 40 days and then you start hmm. doing it again? <laughs> I know that's not the answer. So tell us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's this opportunity for the Lord to say things like that, we're, we're, we're just being like, you know what? I want you to have more say in how I live my life, my habits, my heart. I mean, in some ways, the question behind the question is, Lord, what's your invitation to me mm. this Lent? You know, how are you asking me to become like you? Is there one thing that you want to do in, in my heart? And so when we fast, actually, our intention 
is to is to follow up on the invitation of Jesus. So for instance, let's just say that that the invitation really is I really want to invite you into my gentleness this this lent. I want you to become a more gentle person, more approachable, not as touchy, not as not as reactive, not as hard to approach. And so the way that you're going to do that is you're going to take on my gentle harness of pausing at the lunch hour to to be just be in my presence. Just be my daughter, just be my son. Maybe you have a psalm in front of you and maybe you're fasting too. That's part of the gentleness. So the spirit of it then is doesn't have that harsh I've got to please God's spirit. The spirit of it really is I'm saying yes as best I can to this invitation from Jesus to to take in his gentleness. So uh for the person who realizes they feel convicted from the Lord, I, there's a sin that you want to give up. Yeah, you're going to you're going to repent of the sin. That's really important. And um but the heart of it really is getting, you know, drawing cuz that that sin's keeping you from the Lord. It's keeping you from his heart for you and his life for you. And there's there's living waters that that want to overflow. I think it was Jim Houston who said the Lord transforms the desert of our addictions to become springs of living water. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he wants for us in, in this season. Yeah, oh, that's good. Thank you for saying all of that. So I'm curious now. I know we're recording this before Lent actually mm-hmm. starts. Mm. Have you had that conversation with the Lord? Do you know where you're going this Lent season? Or is that something you even share with people? You know what? I haven't had that conversation yet. I confess. Um, okay. I do have. I was hoping you would yeah. give me something because yeah. I've been asking him and I'm, and so far nothing has come yeah. yet. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the old standbys are really the, for me at least, opening up the Sermon on the Mount opening up Galatians five and six and, and saying, Lord, is there anything here that you want to point out? Um, I will say that in this season of my life, generally speaking, one shift that he's given me for 2023 is the shift from trying to influence people directly and to praying for them. And so whether it's my own family members, people in the church, people in the community, I actually, so I'm telling people less often, I will pray for you. And I'm actually narrowing the amount of people that I pray for and trying to pray scripture over them. Hmm. And so for me, that's an active form of repentance because I'm repenting of all the ways I try to manage life relationally. And so, and to go more indirect, Lord, I want to actually be praying for them for their best, not for my best through them. So. I hope to continue those grooves, uh, you know, during, during Lent and just increase my hope is to increase just less, less relational management, more intercession. That's one thing I know that is, that's already kind of in place. Yeah, that's good. But in between now and when this airs, I'm sure the Lord will have something else. (laughs) Okay. Well, you can let us know then. (laughs) Sure. Okay. Well, I, I want you just to give us a quick word as a pastor, pastor us, shepherd mm. us, lead us for just a moment. You know, we've, if mm. someone is listening to this, they've made it all the way to this point. They haven't shut us off, but they still feel resistance yeah. to practicing yeah. Lent or they just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you gave us a good ask Jesus if you don't know where to start, but what about that person that feels uh, just a little bit of resistance? How, what's your word of encouragement? Mm. Well, I, I'd say, you know, y- your resistance, it's okay to feel that. 
I feel that every year. I mean, there's a part of me that says no to Jesus just naturally and instinctively, you know? Yeah. And so actually, I think that rather than sort of pushing that down, you know, we just bring that to him too and just say, hey, Lord, there's a part of me that doesn't trust you and doesn't like this season and is afraid of what might happen if I cede control a little bit. And and just and just name that and know that he's very patient and gracious with with that side of us and cares that we bring it to him. And then I would just say, you know, if there's a part of you that so whatever was motivating you to listen to the podcast up to this point, what's alive in you? What's the yes inside of you that is intrigued, that's drawn in? That what do you want? What do you want? You know, it's it's maybe flipping the question less of what Jesus wants from you and more of what do you want from him? What do you desire from his kingdom and his heart and his life and, and telling that to him? And what, what part of you is like eager to take on this, this, uh, uh, this, this easy yoke of the season of Lent? What part of you wants to rejoice in Easter Sunday? What part of you at least wants to, you know, for the resurrection power of Jesus to enter your, your heart and your life and your kids' lives and your community? And take that to him as well, because he really does know and love us. He knows the contradictory sides of us, but he just loves us. You know, he's like the the father in the prodigal son story, who's just running after us and ready to embrace us and all of our bedraggled mess and invite us Mm -hmm. to a feast, Mm -hmm. you know, a feast of his love, a feast of his presence, a feast of his church, a feast of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so if you bring both of those things to him, he will in no wise mm-hmm. cast you out. Very comforting. And those are good words. Well, Aaron, as we close, I wonder, would you pray for us and just help us close with that? Absolutely. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for every single person who's listening to this podcast right now, listening in on this conversation. Uh, I thank you that they have been created by you and that you love them and that you have an incredible plan for their life, that you see who they are becoming in Jesus Christ. And I pray now that you would send your Holy Spirit now, the very spirit of Jesus, uh, to, to comfort them, to speak to them, to give them exactly what they need. I do ask, Lord, that for those who are open and ready, that you would allow them to take a couple of steps into the season of Lent that would be less about Lent and more about you, I pray that the the ancient ways, the ancient paths would be a comfort rather than something that's intimidating. I ask that you would meet them with grace that is far multiple times above uh, the sacrifices that might be involved or the difference that might be involved, Lord, the, the release of um, control that might be asked of them. And I do pray, Lord, prepare all of us, prepare me, prepare Jody. Prepare the people around the world for an Easter Sunday, unlike any Easter Sunday we've ever had before. I pray, Lord, that your uh, renewal, that your revival, that the very resurrection power of Jesus would be poured out on your church and uh, that we would not only not be alone, Lord, but that we would not be without you. And I want to end with this prayer. This is a prayer that uh, was written by a pastor named Thomas Cranmer to be prayed during the season of Lent. I'll pray over all of us. Heavenly Father, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So look with compassion upon the heartfelt desires 
of your servants and purify our disordered affections that we may behold your eternal glory in the face of Christ Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Mm. Thank you so much for closing us that way, for making space to be with us today. Truly has been a great conversation. Honored to be here, Jody. Thanks for having me for your great questions. Well, friends, I am going to put links in the show notes for Aaron's book, The Good of Giving Up, Discovering the Freedom of Lent, which is excellent. And I highly recommend it to you. It We really just scratched the surface. There's tips for how to practice Lent, um, even tips to how to practice if you have young children in your home, answer his questions that maybe you have resistance towards, or you've heard some things about, there's answers to those as well. It's really just a guidebook and a resource that I think you'll want in your library. So there will be a link in the show notes for that. I also do want to just take a quick second to thank the team of Life Audio for their partnership. And if you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They have shows about prayer and Bible study, parenting, and even this one on scripture meditation. So as always, friends, I want to thank you again for joining Aaron and I today on So Much More because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.